Hi there, it's Paul Tizard. Overcome your fear of flying in 30 days or less. And on this podcast, we're talking to Sarah Fowler about all the cabin crew training, lots of ways that you can be helped on board the aircraft. We actually met when we used to work on the Flying Without Fear courses, running those for Virgin. And Sarah's brilliant. Uh, she's been f- flying for ages. She's got loads of experience. But before I kill the intro, I shall let Sarah introduce herself. Why should we listen to you, Sarah? What do you hi. know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Fowler, and um, I'm cabin crew for Virgin Atlantic. I've been flying for Virgin now for nearly 21 years. I fly as an onboard manager and I've also worked for Virgin Australia or it was Virgin Blue at the time where I was based out in Melbourne for a year. We're going to talk a lot about what I do on board the aircraft, what me and my colleagues do, how we're trained and how we're continuously tested as well. Do you think that's all right? (laughs) Yeah, very good. Well done. The first topic we'd like to talk about will be how difficult or not, I don't know. It's been a long time since I did this how difficult it is to become cabin crew. So perhaps you could talk us through how you get started, a little bit about the training, what it's like for you, anything like that would be great. Yeah, of course. So when we are taken on as cabin crew, we go through six weeks of intense training and that training split up into three parts. We've got cabin safety and security. We've got aviation medicine and of course the service side at the end. The biggest chunk to our training is actually the cabin safety and security side. Aviation medicine, that's a massive chunk as well, which is a lot higher than your uh, sort of general first aid training. It's to a lot higher standards because, you know, we need to be able to deal with any medical condition using the only the equipment we've got on board and the space that we've got on board the aircraft as well and how to deal with it quickly and make the right decisions as well. And then service, actually, surprisingly, is is the smallest part of our entire training. At Virgin Atlantic, obviously, we're renowned for our onboard services. So we have different classes of travel. We go through all the different types of service. But our main training and the most important part of our training is actually cabin safety and aviation medicine. So every single day of those six weeks, we get tested. We get tested and the pass mark is 88%, which we, we have to pass. And the exams themselves are not regulated by the airlines. They're regulated by the CAA. So the CAA set the pass mark at 88%, not the airline. So it shows that the airlines can't sort of make the training any easier. They can't sugarcoat it and they can't help us through those exams. If we're not at standard and we don't pass those exams, then, you know, we we can't continue with our training. So yeah, every single day we have a pass mark of 88%, which we have to pass to then be able to go on further with our training. And then at the very end of the training, we have an overall exam which again, pass mark at 88%, which we have to pass. And at any stage during our training, if we don't pass, then yeah, we, we can't continue. If we're not at standards and we can't prove that we're continually at standards, then the training, that's it. It's over. It's a little bit about each section. So cabin safety and security, that covers absolutely everything on board the aircraft from your standard operating procedures, so what we call SOPs, to emergency procedures, to all the equipment that we have on board the aircraft, uh, how to use it, how to find it in the dark, how to test it, absolutely everything. 
We have our practical trainings as well, which is where they take us into a, a fantastic rig, which is simulated like the cabin of an aircraft. And that's where they'll test all our practical drills. We'll get to, we don't know what's going to happen when we get into the aircraft simulator. Just something will happen and we have to respond accordingly. So perhaps an overhead fire, a decompression, an emergency evacuation, a no notice emergency, a ditching, all those, absolutely anything that we think might happen or could happen on board that aircraft, we will have been tested for and there'll be a drill for it. Yeah, it's, it's challenging. And again, it's pass or fail. So that's another part of the training. So can I just ask, because there's some great stuff there, but some of these terms people might not be familiar with. So we'll come yeah, back to that sure. in a second. But how difficult was it to, to get into become cabin crew? The standards, uh, especially for Virgin, <clears throat> are incredibly high. It's, I got in on my second attempt. So I, I applied for crew back in, I think it was 98, and I didn't get through to the second part. And then I applied for a job in the office where I was based uh, down in Crawley in the sales department. And then after about eight months, I thought, oh, shall I try again? I've always wanted to do it. I'll give it a go for a year or so. So I applied a second time, which was actually quite lucky because when you're on board and you talk to your colleagues, it can take five, six, seven attempts to get through the training. Uh, sorry, to get through the interview. And so I was incredibly lucky to get be successful on my second attempt. And yeah, that was 20 years ago. So, so much for doing that for two years, which is what a lot of us say. It's it's a wonderful lifestyle and it's it's a wonderful job. I still really enjoy it. I feel very lucky to, to be able to still be able to do it. So what about the, when you got there, was it a shock when you saw that you got to meet 88 percent how much you uh, had to learn just going back to my educational background i've got gcse's i've got a levels and i've got a degree in management science and i still find cabin crew training possibly one of the hardest things that i've ever had to do and it's continuous training as well so every single year after after our initial training the six weeks initial training if we're lucky enough to get through that because i think on average maybe two or three people per group will end up not being successful and that's quite normal because of the standards continuous testing every single year we have to reset all our exams and that continues through your entire career we have to go back down to the office we have we it varies year to year depending on it's set again by the CAA so every other year they might they might be like right you need to include this this year it's dangerous goods uh, next year it could be fire te- it, it all depends but we have to sort of tick the boxes with our training every single year but yeah we have to revise it's the worst part of the job and you can always tell when crew have got their we call it SEP so you can always tell when crew have got their SEP coming up because they just hide down route so when we perhaps when we get to Antigua instead of sitting on the beach and socializing and having a few cocktails they'll disappear to the room and you'll go where you're not coming down to see us and they're like oh no I've got SEP and you know when someone says, oh, no, I've got SEP, do not disturb, they are studying. Because, of course, during our yearly exams, if we don't pass again at 88%, then we lose our job. So every single year we have to prove that we're still at the standard we were when we were trained in every single aspect that they could get from safety to aviation medicine. We have to prove we're still at that standard. Otherwise, we can't continue with our career. So it's, it's intense every year. And unfortunately, yeah, it doesn't end there either. So every single time we check in for a flight, we have a pre-flight briefing. 
which is we check in two hours before departure time and the first half an hour is our briefing time. So the onboard managers will, as part of the briefing, they'll ask us any any safety or aviation medicine question and they'll go around the room, so spotlight on us all, and we have to answer the question correctly. Otherwise, we get offloaded from the flight, sent back to training, and we have to prove that we're still at the standard. But luckily, because we are continuously tested from initial training to our yearly exams, and people know that if they don't, if they're not at standards before every flight that they will get offloaded, then they, up, they make sure that their training and their knowledge is up to date because nobody wants to do the walk of shame off, you know, out the briefing and uh, sent back to training. I've never seen it happen because crew are the standard of training and the continuous evaluation and, and testing is always there. Then knowledge is always there as well. So it, it's, it's a good thing to know because a lot of people, I think, think, we trained initially and then it's all forgotten because the safety training and the uh, emergency procedures we don't use every single day but it's good to know that we know if the unlikely event happens that we do know exactly what we're doing because we're continuously tested either in the simulator of year uh, in the rigs or on our knowledge on a particular subject tested prior to every flight so once a week inbound and outbound as well so say we're heading out to New York we have a pre-flight briefing, briefing before the New York flight. And then when we leave New York a couple of days later, then we get an inbound briefing. Exactly the same. Our, our knowledge will be tested on anything, anything that the onboard manager decides to, to test us on. So we make sure that we're knowledgeable at all times and our training's at standard. So we, it's good to know. That's, I think that'd be very reassuring for people because many would see the smiling faces and just think it's just all about customer service because if you think about it people choose an airline for the customer service but really the reason is is the safety so perhaps it might be quite useful to think what is consistent across all airlines yeah what you've just talked about absolutely the training is so because the caa the civil aviation authority regulate the training Every single airline, when it comes to safety training and aviation medicine, is at the same standard and is, has to meet a certain standard. Where it differs, obviously, is the service side. And also, we're a long-haul airline, so we can't just divert to the nearest airport, which could be 20 minutes away. Chances are for us it'll be a couple of hours, and it might not, probably the parts of the world that we fly over won't be suitable to divert. So our aviation medicine training is probably a lot higher standard simply because we don't have the luxury of being able to divert very very quickly so it's slightly different standard but we're all regulated to the same level so any airline that you fly to please be reassured that the train the crew are trained to a really high standard set by the CAA and all our training is really really similar as well just it just differs depending on your aircraft type your range so long haul short haul and the services as well other than that that's the only thing that that differs they still get their pre-flight briefings they still get their yearly exams that's great Sarah thank you I think that could be very reassuring for people yeah. to think about the beginning bit so this is even before you get on board the aircraft we're going to go to next but for that that's great thank you Sarah okay next for the nervous flyer some nervous flyers have asked in the past do you have drugs you can knock us out which I think is probably would be quite some people might quite like that, but we don't. But I'd like to ask Sarah, somebody says to you, I'm a nervous flyer. What could you do or would you do for them? 
Oh, I, I always encourage if anyone is, is nervous when they're on board the aircraft or have any questions, I really, really encourage them to go and speak to a crew member. I know most of the major airlines, you can pre, pre-ring the special assistance department and, and warn and get it to be put into your file so that going back to that briefing again that we always have, if anyone with any special needs or any special condition or anything that we need to know about, we'll find out from that briefing. But I think once you get on board the aircraft, please come and see us and let us know that, you know, you're a little bit nervous, you're not particularly happy to be there. Then we can, once you've sort of let somebody know and we can keep a special eye on you, I think it, it, it helps a lot. The main thing I would do if someone came up to me and said that, that I've got a fear of flying is I would go down and chat to them and I'd find out what exactly it is that they're nervous of because as, as you know from what you've covered during the, you know during your time helping people with their fear of flying it falls into different categories so for example I always think there's two main categories the first one is more the mechanical side of flying so if people get on board the aircraft they're scared of crashing and dying. They're scared of things going wrong. The what if, the what if. And then there's the psychological side where people are frightened of perhaps enclosed spaces, claustrophobic, panic attacks, you know, who they sat next to, or they might have had a previous experience, which has led them to develop a fear. For example, they might have had what they perceived as bad turbulence on a particular flight. Nobody's explained it. And of course, then they go away and years and years go down the line and you, what tiny little turbulence I've had has escalated to a fear. So I talk to them first, find out what it is that they're nervous about. And say, for example, it is turbulence. Then I would talk to them a little bit about turbulence. I'd, I'd already know as well if there's anything predicted. Because if there's any turbulence predicted, then the flight deck will have already spoken to us about it to pre-warn us, obviously, so we can do our services around it, make sure that everything's secure. And of course, we do get clear air turbulence that we don't know is going to happen so that happen can happen every flight so I'll probably talk a little bit about turbulence and what it is and reassure them that they're not you know customers don't like turbulence it's uncomfortable but it's not dangerous they're they're in good hands so I'd probably explain a little bit about I always describe turbulence a little bit like driving down the M1 so you're driving down the M1 and it's nice and smooth you go in nice and fast and then you turn off down the slip road onto a farmer's lane and there's potholes all over the road so you're flying around that road but you're still in control of the car you're still you're completely safe you're still driving you're completely safe you're still in control however you're uncomfortable you're bouncing around and if you've got a coffee cup open then the chances are it's probably spilled all over your dashboard but you're still safe and in control of that car and that's how I kind of liken it to turbulence it's exactly the same thing. We're going along smooth air and then all of a sudden you've got broken lumps along the way and it's making the aircraft wobble around. But that's all it is. It's, it's just wobbling around. And going back to the car, if you go over a humpback bridge, you fly over that humpback bridge and your stomach goes one way and you think, oh my goodness, but the car's never left the ground. It's what you've perceived to have happened and how your stomachs and your head have, has basically said this is what's happened. And again, it's the same thing with turbulence. What especially when you're fearful, your, your, your nerves, everything's heightened. So every little bit of movement that we as crew wouldn't even notice, you're picking up on. So when we're wobbling around, you're thinking we're probably dropping 10,000 feet when the reality is we're not. And a great way to stop your head over perceiving what's happened is a great tip from one of our mutual friends, Jill. And she always said, 
Come grab a glass of water, fill it half full, but definitely don't hold it because you'll be shaking more than the aircraft is actually moving. But put the glass of water on your tray table in front of you and watch the level of water because that's all the aircraft is moving. And it'll wobble around, but that's two, two centimetres. Worst case, you're having a bad day and it's quite bumpy, then the water's going to come out of the glass and spill onto the tray table. So that's three inches. So three or four inches, and that's going to feel like a roller coaster to you and your stomach but the reality is the aircraft isn't moving to the extent that you think it is so it's a great way of it's a distraction technique as well but it's also a great way of saying actually when you think you're dropping out the sky which we know can't happen like the physics of flying you can't fall out the sky but you're going to think you are because of what your stomach and your head's telling you but that water line is a great reminder that that's all the aircraft is doing and it keeps saying to yourself that you get don't like it. Yes, I'm uncomfortable, but I am not in any danger at all. And it's, it's, yeah, talking about turbulence, reassuring them, pre-warning them if I can, that perhaps is a little bit coming up, it's weather or, you know, explaining it a little bit more and giving them some great tools to be able to deal with it when it occurs as well. And perhaps some breathing techniques, but lots and lots of reassurance and, and that waterline as well. And, and just let them know it, as well what we can do for them should they have a panic attack lots of reassurance basically but the main thing is that the aircraft is perfectly perfectly safe it's just it's really uncomfortable and as long as you sat down with your seatbelt on you are perfectly safe yeah so that that would be the main thing so if someone says as a kind of last thing i'm having a panic attack what would you do well I think if someone's having a panic attack, I'd initially, again, lots of reassurance, grab them a glass of water, probably grab the sick bag out of the seat, pocket in front of them, get them to blow into it because, and then we can start counting the breaths, slowing it down that way because they're over-breathing, they're taking in too much oxygen. So your tra- traditional way, really, and your quickest way is that sick bag and then we can slow the breathing down. And again, lots and lots of reassurance and then find out through talking to them what it is that's triggered the panic attack and lots of distraction techniques as well Sarah that's brilliant thank you so much your brain that's absolutely fantastic if you had one top tip to say to anyone who's nervous what would it be I think I I completely admire anyone who's got a fear of anything and that's trying to overcome it and I think the the hardest part of overcoming any fear especially flying it's just getting across the threshold of the aircraft. Once you're on that aircraft, you've done it. The, the worst part is over and done with. We will look after you from there on. It, it's, I think the biggest tip on board the aircraft is come and talk to us. Tell us that you're nervous. Let us know so we can keep an eye out for you. Always, always feel that you'll be welcome down in the back galley or any galley on board that aircraft with the crew. So come and have a cup of tea with us and, and tell us you know, what's going on and, and why you're nervous. And we'll do absolutely everything to make sure that you get from A to B as comfortable as you can and sometimes just talking about your anything that's going on you know questions a million questions it doesn't matter we'll answer them for you it, it, that aircraft is it's, it's my office and I know it inside out back to front and I can tell you everything as you can tell the way I talk quite a lot I can tell you everything about that aircraft what's right what's not and and perhaps any incidents that you've had just by explaining perhaps what happened on a previous flight that maybe no one's explained to you before can help eliminate the nerves that you're bringing on to any other flights but definitely come and see us and definitely talk to us thank you so much sarah fowler (laughs) you're very welcome (laughs) 